1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. You're hearing this either late uh, the night of the 17th or in the morning of the 18th. And Brendan, November 17th, uh, a significant day, as it were, in Chicago Cubs history, as it is now officially the day that the Theo Epstein era comes to a close in Chicago after some speculation about what his future would hold with only one more year remaining on his contract. The constant talk Of a 10-year plan or sort of a maximum stay in any given job or position. We reach that day on Tuesday here today where Theo Epstein resigns from his position as the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. Jed Hoyer promoted from general manager to that very position and that's all she wrote for the most successful era in Chicago Cubs baseball. So on this episode we're going to talk about Theo Epstein. Uh, That is pretty much going to be your only topic. I think it will range from looking back and appreciating what Theo did for this organization and of course touching on what the ramifications are of this move for the future. But Brendan, I I will uh, welcome you into your own show here. What started in 2011 and included uh, quite the journey, a a roller coaster of heading straight to the bottom of Major League Baseball to collect those draft picks and and build up that system uh, that ultimately led to a World Series championship in 2016 and plenty of other exciting and special moments uh, at Wrigley Field and and other ballparks across this country comes to an end here in 2020. And there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to process here today. uh, But I imagine that the main sentiment, I know it comes from me, and I assume it also comes from you, is one of gratitude today.
0: No, no doubt. I mean, I remember... Even thinking about the concept of Theo signing with the Cubs almost, was it, nine, ten years ago from now, and just being blown away about the potential of what that could do for this franchise long-term. We were in a phase before Theo was signed when we had a new owner, but just recently at that time, we had the Tribune owning the Cubs. We had Jim Hendry running the show, and this farm system and this developmental system that was so bad and out of date. And it seemed like at the time, really, Theo was the only one to fix so many issues with this organization. And he did do it. It hasn't been easy recently. And even Theo in his press conference today said that. But he he undoubtedly is leaving the organization with so much more potential for Jed Hoyer to build upon. And he's leaving the organization, accomplishing what he set out to do, to be a perennial contender, to win a World Series. And he did that. And I'm forever grateful for what Theo did. And separate from Theo's accomplishments, it, w- it was fun, man, having Theo be part of this organization, just from his personality and his press conferences and his openness to new ideas. It's just... Theo was so fun to listen to for so many years, Now I will miss that in addition to his actual uh, value.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think if you've been an avid listener of this podcast, you know that there are really few people, if any, associated with this Cubs organization that Brendan and I speak higher of and think higher of. Uh, In the last couple years, you know, obviously, uh, the team has not necessarily performed exactly to expectations or, or hopes or things like that. And there's certainly been things to nitpick on and off the field with uh you know everything going on with with the baseball side of things. Um but none of that takes away from the organization that that Theo built and and, and that he helped transition this team into. And there, there's just so much to focus on. But but before we kind of get into more of the reminiscing, I do want to read uh, one of the paragraphs. You know, from from Theo's today on on Tuesday as he left, he he penned a letter. Uh, also did the press conference. So there's there's a lot directly from him to look at. But uh, I, I think that one of the things that I wanted to read was, was this. For the rest of my life, I will cherish having been a part of the great Chicago Cubs organization during this historic period. All of the things that have made this experience so special, the fans, the players, the managers and coaches, ownership, my front office colleagues, the uniqueness of the Wrigley experience, the history, make it so tough to leave the Cubs. But I believe this is the right decision for me even if it's a difficult one. And now is the right time rather than a year from now. The organization faces a number of decisions this winter that carry long-term consequences. Those types of decisions are best made by someone who will be here for a long period rather than just one more year. Jed has earned this opportunity and is absolutely the right person to take over this baseball operation at such an important time. I am grateful to everyone with the Cubs, to the Ricketts family for this opportunity, as well as for their loyalty, to the fans, for their support and the depth of their emotional connection with the team and to the players coaches staff and my front office colleagues for their friendship excellence and dedication to helping us accomplish our initial goals of regular october baseball and a world championship and i that's the end of the quote from theo epstein now it is me talking again i think that that really sums everything up um you know, when you when you look back at, at this experience and what stands out to me, uh, I think more than anything about this entire experience, because while some of the parts may remain the same, this is, uh, you know, kind of much like it was when Joe Madden left, a, a bookend to a particular chapter of the Chicago Cubs organization and and to this period specifically. So while Jed, you know, still bleeds over from that and and will create his new chapter and stuff like that, this is uh, a big ending to one of the, the the biggest chapters, perhaps it's the biggest ending, right? The the Theo Epstein era. And one one thing that particularly stands out about this whole thing for me, Brendan, is that I remember when he joined the Cubs and I remember how specifically he and Tom at the time laid out what their vision was, what their plan was, and what this was all supposed to look like. And if you had the belief in them, the trust in them to go along with this process, they had a vision for you of how you would be rewarded for that and what it would look Mm -hmm. like down the line. And... What stands out the most for me is that that's exactly what happened. If you took Theo at face value from the minute he joined this organization as to what was going to happen in the years where they were going to stink and they were not going to be very good and they were going to rack up losses and they were going to replenish that system to when they ultimately turned it on prior to 2015 and, and went on the run that they're, you know, sort of still on now, right? You You would have been rewarded for the whole process. It, it was like a good TV show that that lays the groundwork for the series finale, and if you've been paying attention since the beginning, right, the little Easter eggs and all the little rewards that show up in there throughout are all worth it, and they make it worth your time to put in that investment, and And that's what stands out to me the most. Again, like, you know, it, it's, it's all ranging, right? The first few years, the team is terrible. We get a, a complete renaissance, a golden era, you know, from 15 to, I don't know what you want to call it, 18, 17, whatever, right? And, you know, it's been tumultuous at times the last few off seasons. But regardless, if you listen to him, the minute he joined this organization, he told you exactly what he wanted to do, exactly how he wanted to do it. And ultimately, in my mind, by any definition, he did it.
0: And we sort of knew that this 10-year period would be what Theo signed up for, and nothing more beyond that. Now, him stepping aside this year, my first reaction when I saw that from Sahad of Sharma this morning, yeah, I was a little surprised, but if you take a second and you realize what's going on with his team right now, it's not that surprising. You have the majority of the roster in need of an extension, or up for expensive arbitration prices. And if Theo's not gonna be the guy to stay long term, he probably shouldn't be the one making those decisions, which is one of his driving forces for leaving this this year. So it's it's a weird feeling, Corey, because like in one sense, yeah, like I'm sad about it, but it's it was inevitable, I felt like. It just got sped up one year too fast. And we even said this, what, a few months ago about maybe Theo should step down now because of all these reasons, because of all the extensions and all the all the long term decisions that need to be made. It it makes sense. But I'm not really like like I'm not really sad about it. Like it's it's a weird feeling to, to have. I'm more nostalgic about it, but I'm not sad about it because I, I knew this would happen. And whether it's now or next year, this was inevitable.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean I think that definitely helps with the sort of melancholy or any other feelings that that you would have today just that you know and again the reason that we sort of harp on the 10-year thing and and as Brendan was just saying the sort of inevitability of this is because it's just that right like I I don't want anyone to come away from something like today thinking like oh if the Ricketts had offered Theo a five-year extension he would have taken it like he wouldn't have right like he said this a million times, like that he just does not want to stay in a place for longer than 10 years. He's always been on this path. And yeah, so I think the inevitability of it all does kind of, it sort of forces you to accept it and it's it's kind of forced us to accept it. Uh, all along and there were reports earlier in this off season that this was something they might consider when he and Tom got together so you were kind of already prepped for it maybe coming a year early and stuff like that but yeah it it's I, I think I'm with you it's 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 maybe more of a, a feeling of nostalgia and a feeling I mean of- were you
0: sad when you first heard that this morning like I, like there are so many people on Twitter and of course like it's justifiable to, to be sad about it but it seemed like the overwhelming perception initially was sadness, and I, I didn't have that.
1: Uh, I would say that I did. Yeah, I mean, I think whether I was prepared for this or not, um, you know. And again, maybe sadness isn't the right word. Maybe it's just it leads to an overwhelming feeling of gratitude and and um, you know appreciation for the the time that that he was in Chicago and then the the period of baseball and then of the Cubs organization that we just lived through and then got to witness. Um, but, the, you know, it certainly wasn't necessarily something that was blindsiding or that I'm like devastated over because right. this was always, you know, sort of going to be the case. But, you know, really, I think the the sadness comes from um everything that we, we experienced. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, like Theo just the man, you know, um, he, when, when, when he came to the Cubs, I mean, this was the Cubs getting the guy, the top guy, the highest regarded executive in all of baseball was coming to the Chicago Cubs. And it, that was just such an exciting feeling and and I can think of the hope that that generated of of just feeling mm-hmm. like, okay, like this is gonna be this is going to be it. This is going to be the, the run, the period, the team, the everything that, that we've always waited for. And as he started to lay those bricks, it, it really came together that way. And, and um, you know, I mean, I, I tweeted something to this effect, but I, I've obviously mentioned on here before that uh, I spent some time in baseball, interning for different teams and, and doing different stuff in, in some baseball operations department. And that was all because of Theo. Man, like I, the 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 only person I can remember ever truly idolizing—not like an athlete or a superhero when I was a kid or something like that, right? Like someone who worked a job that maybe I could actually work, and 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 someone that was living a life that I could maybe get on a path to living myself, right? The only person And that speaks
0: to his relatability, right? Like that's like that's who Theo is. And that's how
1: he carries
0: himself and he comes off as presentable and relatable. Yeah. Even with all the accolades he racked up before signing with the Cubs. You still look at the guy like, all right, you know, maybe
1: <laughs> maybe other people can do this right. too. He's the only person that I actually ever idolized in in that manner. Uh some guy with an executive job that I look up to, right? But as you said, the the way that he carries himself, the leader that he is, uh, obviously, you know, they're my favorite band too, the fact that he's walking around Wrigley Field spending half his time talking about Pearl Jam, right? Like, it was just, he's just such a, a relatable person somehow. Like, I have never and will never accomplish anything close to what he's done in any field, right? Let alone baseball. I, I haven't worked, in, and I was only ever an intern, and it's been a long time since even that. But he gave me something to strive for. He, he made what he was doing cool. He made it something that I wanted to do, and uh, I had a lot of really great experiences all because of Theo Epstein and, and wanting to be more like Theo Epstein. Um, and so for him to achieve all of this with the Cubs and to have been lucky enough to be at Wrigley or, or other ballparks and stuff like that, to witness uh, a lot of the, the fruits of his labor, um, was it was a privilege. I mean, really, it was. So I'm not surprised, really, by this decision. It's something that, you know, and, and we'll get into this part of everything shortly, like, you know, that was, it, that is probably for the best, right, all things considered, uh, one of those being that he was going to leave eventually, right, as I keep banging that drum, um, but it's it's still just one of those things where I think it's hard not to look back on all of this and, and feel pretty nostalgic for just every portion I think of this journey and the rebuild and and the ultimate uh success coming to fruition and you know just being here and and sort of closing the book on that I think stuff like that is is always a little melancholic and uh yeah whether it's it's the right decision or not whether it's surprising or not uh whether it comes out of left field or not I think you're you're still met with uh, a lot of different emotions, and uh, you know certainly one of those is going to be uh, a little bit of sadness.
0: When you step back and you realize, like how fast these nine years went, it's a little jolting, right? I mean, just because I, I really truly can remember the first few moves he made, where he's <laughs> it was a bad one, but like where he traded for Chris Volstead and traded Big Z or when he signed David DeJesus or trading uh for Ian Stewart like like those are in my in my memory they seem pretty recent but but they're not and it it does it does represent how far this team has come under Theo Epstein and one of the significant effects of Theo's signing with the Cubs is that it was a blueprint for Every other organization, there were no president of baseball ops before Theo took that position. They made that position because of Theo Epstein. They made Jed Hoyer the GM because there was no other president of baseball operations. They restructured the hierarchy of what a front office is. And that's why you see today teams like the Dodgers or now the Athletics and the Giants, they operate in a similar hierarchy. The GM today... Does not mean what the GM was 10 years ago. And the first one to change the significance of that position was Theo Epstein. And we can get into, you know, the forth looking effects of Theo's departure and how that's going to affect, you know, Jed's tenure and decisions that need to be made from Jed and Jed alone. Like we'll get into that, right? But the, 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 The blueprint that Theo laid out from restructuring a broken front office to player development to draft strategy, at this time, too, there was one team at the forefront of the international free agent market. It was the Cubs. They were the first to go over those, uh, those penalties. In doing so, what happened? You go in and you sign players whom you end up trading for Miguel Montero, or you sign Jorge Soler, which you end up getting Wade Davis, and you sign Glyber Torres and Eloy Jimenez, which gets you Chapman, right? Like The creativity within a big market context to go out and get talent, which was translated immediately to a World Series within five years, that was... Like something we've never seen. And we saw then the Yankees do it and the Red Sox do it. And all of a sudden, now the international free agent market is no longer a market inefficiency. Now there's rules in place. And guess why? Theo and his front office were the first to do that. And they try to do that again in the Mexico international free agent market. And then that's gonna get bottled up a little bit. So that was that was fun to watch as a fan learning about all these little nuances of the game. And I think when Theo was brought over to the Cubs, I can speak only for myself, but I I immediately was tuned in to aspects of the game I did not even know existed. Like I I learned more about the number side of the games, but the organization flow. Like you learn more about that, and yeah, for that reason, you have to be grateful. It's it's is it's Theo's example and his ability to communicate, even in press conferences, that. As a fan, like you, you learn more and you grow with what he's saying. And one, one really significant moment for me with Theo was after that 2015 playoff loss in the press conference the next day. Typically, for playoff losses, those suck, right? There's like a brief morning phase when you lose those playoff series. But weirdly, when Theo talked the next day for 2015, like all of that mourning or sadness, whatever you want to call it, when you lose a series, went away. He had a way of, at that time, looking to the future and looking at the current present moment and the accomplishments in that moment, while laying out what will be done next. And that's exactly what he did. He went and signed Jason Hayward. You bring in Ben Zobrist, and boom, you win a World Series. So it was that transparency. It was the. It was the ease with which he communicated, it was the relatability and ultimately him really changing how front office uh front offices operate and how they acquire talent and how they draft talent. Theo was really at the time, man, the the architect of, of a modern front office. And you have you have to be grateful for that.
1: Yeah, well said. Um I, I think the the last part, I mean we've spent already uh, you know, a good bit of time gushing Over it and and you know we'll continue to do so, but I think at some point you know we have to get into the ramifications in the future and and all that. Um, But I, I I I I can't help but feel like it's it's almost not possible to really do justice to just how much I think we should be grateful for. Theo's time here and and what he did and I think Brendan just laid out a lot of like the really significant impacts uh and you know how they relate from a baseball perspective and stuff like that but even just thinking about the time that I've been a Cub fan and and that period is roughly the same for for Brendan and I as as two guys in our late 20s and certainly for a lot of you listeners, it's you know either a bit shorter than that or a good bit longer than that, whatever it is. Um, but certainly in my life, I never dreamed of a period as successful as we've seen uh, since 2015. And to be a team that from from cubs teams that i saw as a kid and just the reputation that they had e- even as i was growing up as a cub fan and and the teams that i watched to have the cubs turned into an organization like the one that Brendan just described, right, that is on the cutting edge of building a front office and building a baseball operations department and infrastructure and on the cutting edge of player development trends and things like that. And again, you know, we can get into where they are at this exact moment, but you can't deny that they were at the height of those various things throughout Theo's time here and and really set precedents, created new paradigms, and changed baseball in, in a lot of ways. The Chicago Cubs did that. And for them to be that team, for them to be a team that is now considered a top destination that free agents would want to go to, to, for them to be an organization that is talked about amongst the elite in the league, uh, to for them to be talked about amongst the teams that when you're debating over the last five years which team has been the most successful in baseball, the Chicago Cubs are in that conversation. I never would have dreamed of that, Brendan. And he's not alone in being responsible for this. He's not alone in getting credit for it. But none of that happens without Theo Epstein. The Cubs... Regularly churning out all stars and rookie of the years and MVPs and manager of the year and making the playoffs five times in six years, making the NLCS three times, winning a pennant, winning a World Series. I I mean, I mean this so genuinely. I never would have dreamed that that would ever be the Chicago Cubs right? My whole life I became conditioned that if they were ever going to do it, it would be like 2003 or it would be like 2007 and 2008 where for a short period they had a hot team, a good team that could compete, and maybe they could sneak a championship in there. For them to be a year in and year out playoff contender and a threat to win a championship for years at a time is is even as I say it right now, even though we just lived through it, it's it's almost unfathomable for me. And again, he's not alone in deserving credit for this, but he's, uh, he, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, at the top of the list wherever you want to place him. And I will never, ever not be grateful to Theo Epstein for that because this has been a dream to live through as a fan uh, and to experience. And I... Again, we we could go on about this, and I assume throughout episodes uh, over the course of the winter we'll end up circling back to this. And, you know, probably like we do uh, with the 2016 World Series, we'll probably drop in references to uh, how appreciative we are for Theo Epstein, probably for as long as this podcast exists. But I want to read... A quote from Theo's introductory press conference uh, back in 2011 when he went to Wrigley Field for the first time as the Cubs president, and he said this, quote, I firmly believe that we can preserve the things that make the Cubs so special and over time build a consistent winner, a team that will be playing baseball in October consistently and a team that will ultimately win the World Series. I've waited a few weeks to say this, but it truly feels great to be a Cub today. And, you know, so many years later as we sit here closing the book on his time in Chicago and as the president of the Chicago Cubs Baseball Operations Department, mission accomplished, man. Uh, That's what I look back on. I look back on a quote like that. He told us what he wanted. He told us what he wanted to do, and he laid out the groundwork for how he was going to do it. And as we sit here in 2020, uh, some nine years later, The Cubs have been playing baseball in October consistently, and they did win a World Series. World Series. So I I think that Theo and all of us uh, might have hoped that there would be more World Series because, of course, we do. I want the Cubs to win every year. Uh, But he laid out the goals, and he delivered on them. And they were not easy goals to attain. They were not modest goals, right? Uh, What he set out to do was a tall task when you think of where the Cubs were in 2011 and where they've been historically as an organization. And where we find them in 2020 is a much better place uh, than they had been for so long. And Theo Epstein is largely to credit for all of that. So like I said, uh, we can nitpick certain decisions we can nitpick how they've gone about things over the last few years and if you listen to this podcast or read any blog or anything right everybody's done that right he Theo's not infallible and I've had to say that a lot on this podcast because Brendan and I sometimes treat him as though he's infallible because he's just been that awesome and he's just that guy uh so we'll get into the ramifications in the future in a second here. uh, But as clearly as I can state forever, forever and ever, as long as I live, thank you for everything, Theo Epstein.
0: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates. You will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st and terms and conditions do apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: I think it's time to look toward the future and, you know, discuss the ramifications of this decision. So as we said, Theo Epstein steps down as the president of baseball operations. Jed Hoyer promoted uh, the Cubs working on an extension with him to, you know, have him more secure in that role. And beyond that, we don't have any of the movement, don't know if they're going to have an interim GM, if they're going to hire a replacement GM, promote somebody. We don't really know, right? Right. Uh, but the first thing that, that, that stands out about this, Brendan, is I, I think that one of the initial reactions to this is that this winter is going to be grim as it relates to the Cubs' payroll and directive from ownership and that perhaps Theo just doesn't want to participate in that. Um, and I, I think that's certainly possible. And I mean, clearly there's some level of truth to that, right? Just in everything that we've seen, uh, from budget talk and stuff from ownership. So there, there's obviously some truth to that. Um, but I think it's a a bit of a simplistic view and, and perhaps overly cynical, even for you and I who are quite cynical. Um, I, I, I think that, one thing that that, that theory—and again, I, I that's probably part of it, right? There, there's going to be some tough decisions, and I, I doubt that Theo feels the need to preside over them uh, or would find that quite enjoyable. But I think that something we need to remember is that Theo was going to leave, and at some point— he is very close with Jed. Jed has worked with him in multiple locations. He left, you know, and and came over to the Cubs to join Theo and to go on this journey with him. And I think that it's reasonable to suspect that Theo wanted to put Jed in a good position, right? And part of that would include, if there are big decisions, whether they're tough to make and not fun to make if it's trading guys who have been a part of this core non-tendering guys who have been part of this core whatever the directive ends up being right in terms of your payroll it still behooves jed to be the one to make those decisions if he's the one that's going to be in control of it right and it's it's a lot of decisions it's a lot of stuff to do for Theo to do, and then ultimately leave in a year. And now Jed is in control of a team that he had a hand in shaping, but ultimately didn't play the bigger role in. So I I think that's part of things, too. Um, You know, Theo alluded to, you know, he... It would have gotten paid a lot of money that he's not going to get paid anymore so perhaps saving that money is is part of things uh we're never really gonna know right maybe if Theo writes a book 20 years from now and and spills the spills the tea on exactly what happened here we can be angrier at Tom Ricketts less angry uh, you know who knows right but I think that there's a lot of factors to this and and I think the overly cynical one discounts that if there are going to be significant changes and there is going to be sort of a new path that needs to be forged, whether it it sounds like an excuse or not, it does make sense for the person who's going to inherit that to be the one to make some of those decisions. I I think that that's also a, a perfectly reasonable Explanation for some of this stuff. So it's it's nuanced, and again, we we may not have exactly a clear idea here. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of factors at play. Uh, but I, I think it, it's in some way possible. I guess is all I'm saying that this is the right decision for everybody involved, and it is the right decision for the future of the Chicago Cubs, because if that future belongs to Jed Hoyer, or he's the one with the keys, then, you know, you might want to let him have some say in the car that he's driving to make a really bad analogy, right? That that goes back to why Theo stepping down now
0: is not that surprising. And he did in his press conference uh, today when he was leaving, he did suggest that the changing business plan due to the pandemic may have accelerated this, right? So, of course, that is part of his decision. And Jed has been with him for a long time. McLeod, still with him. Other guys within the front office have known Theo for a long time. So, understandably, if Theo, one, just doesn't want to do this, that's fine. But two, if he wants to put the Cubs in the most optimal shape for the future, then yes, now probably makes the most sense to step aside trying to figure out where does Chris Bryant fit in this roster in a pandemic with restricted budgets with a free agent market that is so unpredictable and volatile who's going to make those decisions well the person who's going to be with the cubs for beyond one year probably should be making those decisions and it's not just Chris Bryant it's Javier Baez it's Schwarber. It's literally every player on this roster, perhaps. So that's why it's not that surprising. And I was, I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of what the next front office should look like. You, I mean, you may remember for a few months ago we were talking about how do you reconcile wanting fresh faces in a new direction with at the same time bringing in. Craig Breslow bringing in Justin Stone and revamping the hitting and pitching sides of this organization and having those two particular individuals who seem to be qualified and ready to do their jobs. How do you reconcile that side with also wanting new executives to make some big decisions? And so I think this is kind of like an even ground for me where you still give the new infrastructure a chance because look, in, in a COVID season, you can you cannot do what you want to do. And even with these restrictions, the pitching side of things rapidly advanced. And the hitting side of things did not. But who knows what you can do in this type of environment. So I I, I want to give those guys a chance. We've heard so much about all the new like biotech that Justin Stone has brought in from Elite Baseball that he started. have heard about Rachel Folden. We've heard about all these new analysts and biokinesia, if you want to even call them a I want to see what they're going to do. And if you bring in a completely new front office, likely you have to start over again. You have to bring in a new director, bring in a new uh, hitting and pitching director, perhaps. I want a little bit of continuity even in a one to two year window. And I think an even middle ground here to keep the continuity is, yeah, to to promote JET and how I feel about Jet taking over the job, he is qualified, man. I mean, look at look at his resume. We know what he what he's done. Apparently, he was the the primary voice the Theo's had to get Pedro Stripe over for that uh, Scott Feldman Arietta trade, right? So Jet is qualified. Now, do I still want fresh uh, fresh faces? I do. Now that might come in in this new GM who. Jet will have to find. Or maybe they will promote someone from within or go back out to other organizations and find people who used to work for Jet, like Porter with the Diamondbacks, for example, and bring him in to be the new GM. So I think you have, all this is to say is I think you have the best of both worlds. You have, in one sense, a little bit of continuity in Jed Hoyer, but in the other sense, you get some fresh faces and you sustain this new infrastructure which for me I think they need a chance to figure out what we're going to do for the next for the next step in case we want to continue to revamp some of this developmental system. so I think you need to keep those pieces in place in order to do that so it's kind of the best of everything you know it may not be, the completely new perspective that you as a fan wanted, but I think it does present a lot of new angles and new perspectives, even despite Jed being the president and having the sense that, hey, he's been here for a while, but in reality, he's going to be bringing in new people as well.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I've, you know, I, in the last few weeks, not knowing that this decision was going to present itself exactly right now, but I've made it clear that uh, a Jed-Jason- McLeod, top of the organization is far down on my list of things i'm interested that in. might happen though um <laughs> that might happen yeah so jason McLeod did not get that angels job so that is still in play yeah. um
0: but but here, here's the thing though cory like and may, maybe we're never gonna know we, we're never gonna know when theo decided to do this but I have a hard time imagining that this decision was made in the last like three to four days. Like, I feel as if Theo's been thinking about this and maybe talking to Jet about that and also Jason about it, right? So, I think if McLeod was a viable, the main target to be GM, he would not have interviewed with the Angels. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. It's all speculation, but I just have a hard time recognizing that Theo's gone and Jason just interviewed with the Angels like a week ago. So that signals they may not be interested in promoting McLeod to GM, I don't know.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, you can read a lot, a lot of different tea leaves. I mean, the, the Cubs moving Jason around in the last couple years, uh, you know, also kind of signals that too, but you just never really know. Um, so that that's still low on my list, but I'm hoping that that's not ultimately uh, what happens. And I think... You know, Jed obviously, uh, you know, has has worked for this and, and I think has has earned this opportunity. Um, I do get and and I probably share a good bit of the sentiment that, you know, and, and I've said this in kind of explaining why I don't want the two of them to be at the top and, and why I said hopefully it was just one, which at least for right now it is, um, you know, and just things have have stagnated I guess is one word with 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 the Cubs as a whole and uh, if you're going to make changes maybe a new direction would be good as opposed to sort of the same direction except without the best guy right Theo Um, but you know Jed certainly deserves a chance and I think as you're kind of pointing out you know keeping that continuity not risking uh, new front office, wanting to change some of the good things that you have started to build uh, in terms of your your infrastructure and stuff like that, and the progress that you've made. Um, but I I also think, you know, perhaps there is, and again, it, it goes along the thinking that, you know, someone who is going to be in charge of this in the future going forward should probably have some say in the direction of things when it comes to big decisions, I I also wonder if this is, if Jed is the right person for this particular offseason, especially because we've heard Theo talk a lot about how he has gambled on some of these players from the core for too long, right? He's admitted that that's, you know, one of the mistakes that he's made and and that I guess perhaps he regrets uh, from his time with the Cubs is that he's hung on to guys for too long, right? And you can picking it's pretty easy to pick you know who that's clearly in reference to but it also applies to some of the guys that it's not as clear in reference to and i wonder if perhaps jed is is a good person to be the one to ultimately pull the trigger on some of these things because he knows these guys he's been a part of this process and that's not to say that he wasn't a part of the chorus uh, along with theo maybe banging the drum to keep some of these guys when fans wanted to trade them or when it seemed like their trade value was at the highest or or things like that. Um, But maybe Jed has a lot of those same perspectives and a lot of those same feelings, but he can be a a little quicker to, or, you know, I mean, it's hard to say quicker now, but uh, less reluctant to pull the trigger on some of those things, you know, because I think looking back through, uh, even just using one player as an example, let's use Schwarber as an example, right? Like a lot of what we've talked about with regard to Kyle and whether they would trade him, whether they were going to keep buying into him, this, that, and the other, a lot of that was looked at through the lens of this is Theo's guy, right? And he's not the only one in the organization that loves Schwarber, right? I'm not an idiot. But it's always been like, Theo's never going to give up on this guy, right? Like, this is Theo's guy. He believes in that hit tool more than anything in the world, right? Maybe Jed doesn't as much, right? And even if it's just a little bit less, right? It's just an example of they might have the same understanding of things. They might have a really similar view on a lot of these issues. But maybe jed's ready to step into this role and and more capable of ripping that band-aid off than than theo had been at times in the past and and that's something that change can bring and it's something that you know putting jed in a position where he's making decisions for his future now going forward in the organization that he's going to be in charge of going forward perhaps This is the, you know, in again, wanting him to be in control of that, but also somebody's got to make these decisions. And maybe Jed is more prepared to make some of those hard, uh, you know, tough, gut-wrenching decisions. And and it's just not something that Theo wanted to do at at the end of his time here. And to, you know, have some of his last moves be getting rid of some of these guys that he's been on this long journey with. So I, I, I think perhaps it's, it's for the best, I guess, again, uh, all of that goes with the caveat that Theo was going to leave, right? And, you know, you, you can debate whether, whether the best case scenario in an ideal world would have been Theo signing an extension and, you know, it's foreseeing this organ over this organization for a long time, but that's not one of the options, right? So we're trying to look at what the best case scenario is, assuming that Theo was going to leave either now or next year. Um, yeah. from a, you know, a player standpoint and just looking at things like, again, the the writing is on the wall, folks. We've heard this for a few off seasons, but once again, the writing is on the wall and it's in really, really clear lettering that this off season may not be a lot of fun, right? Uh, in terms of some of our favorite players departing, being traded, being non-tendered, whatever it might be. The payroll getting slashed, like it's all the there there's all the smoke to that fire being a real thing this time, right? We'll see how it plays out, but I think ultimately, if that is the direction that it goes and and right now I'm just sort of leaning into the 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 sort of cynicism that's out there that you know Theo just did not want to oversee. Uh, sort of the, the mass exodus or, or the, you know, beginning of a teardown, whatever might happen, right? I don't know. But at some point, right, Brendan, like we've gotten on here for the last few years at the end of a season that didn't end the way we wanted, whether it was getting knocked out in the wildcard game, getting knocked in the wild card round in 2020, missing the playoffs altogether in 2019. And we've talked about a lot of the same problems, Right. We've spent off seasons talking about the exact same problems for years. And if that's ultimately the direction that they go, right, and, and we'll, we'll take each move and each part of the process at face value and we'll dig into it from there. But at some point, right, if you, if you complain about the result and you're mad about the result and you want to see a different process and things like that, right at some point, you got to be willing to have it happen, right? And so I don't know. I have said this many times. Like, I don't know what the budget's going to be, so it's hard for me to tell you what my ideal plan is for this team right now, what my ideal path is forward for this organization. But as someone who recognizes some of the flaws that this team has had for a few years, some of the things that have held them back, some of the things that I'd like to see done differently, at some point, right, you have to be comfortable with someone in the front office saying, okay, we're going to do it, you know? Um, so I know that's daunting and I know it. it's it's scary. I'm as scared as anybody, right? Like this is the most nervous I think I've been about what they're going to do in a long time. And it's not just because Theo's not going to be the one doing it, which was usually what gave me a lot of comfort. Uh, but, I think at some point, you know, if you're not satisfied—and I'm not saying that you are—if you're not satisfied with them running it back and just, you know, putting some band aids on some of the depth issues and things like that, then at 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 some point you you have to be okay with them saying, "All right, so we're going to trade some of the guys from this core. We're going to get rid of some of these guys. We're going to let some of these guys leave, and we're actually going to enact." significant change I'm not saying that that's what everybody wants and I I, you know again it's hard for me to really place my thoughts without knowing what's going on in Tom Ricketts's mind and on his budgetary spreadsheets or whatever he has Uh, but if you if if you want change you want different results and and you're 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 sort of not happy with the way things have gone you got to get on board with doing it differently at some point right
0: there's so, there's so many directions that, that you can go with the new front office. And I think the biggest failure recently by Theo's front office has, has, has been the inability to develop non-first-round draft picks. and that, That's been going on even since Theo took over the Cubs nine years ago. So that, that is, at the core, one of the fundamental problems with this team. And so fixing that and addressing that should be a priority. And we saw the steps taken to address that last offseason. Now, is that truly going to get the Cubs to that sustained level of success that the Dodgers are currently at and other teams are currently at? Time will tell. But it's not a simple okay, let's trade Schwarber, let's trade Javi, let's trade KB. And all of a sudden, your problems are fixed because it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be that. And it's crazy to even say or suggest. But the value of Chris Bryant or Javi Bias or all these guys we're talking about, there is two directions you can go down. One is you can try to get short term value and win right away, or you can try to do a soft rebuild and look towards the future. But Just trading those guys is not gonna be enough, and that's what I'm getting at. Just trading Chris Bryant and Schwarber, it's too late, dude. Like it's too late to dramatically overhaul your team and line everything up, I think, at this point. So does that mean should they trade them or should they keep them and try to extend this window one more year? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the free agent market looks like or the trade market looks like with all these wacky finances. I have no idea, but I think I'm preparing myself to really have no expectations. Even if we're trading Chris Bryant or Hobbit. It's, it's 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 a weird thing to say, but even trading them, I don't think that's a tipping point type move. I I think really where we're going where we're going to get the value from this front office is going to be developing like six more David Bodies. Look at what the Dodgers have done over the years when they develop Chris Taylor or they bring guys up that were, you know, prospects really take them to the next level like a, like a Cody Bellinger and all their pitchers like Walker Buehler, like all those guys, right? Like they, they're able to get these guys to the next step that aren't just your first rounders. And I think that's where the new front office needs to have an effect. If they can solve that dilemma that has plagued the Cubs for nine years, and then you can actually supplement your team with the big market advantages that we've seen the Cubs use with Ben Zobris and Jason Hayward and John Lester, now you're now you're doing what really Theo truly wanted to accomplish with this team. I'm not saying he didn't because they've been contenders for years on and years out, but you know, there were mistakes. There were issues. The farm system, while mostly good, a lot of them didn't develop. They had a poor pitching, drafting strategy for four to five years, and it really hurt them. So that that's where I'm at. It's, yes, following Chris Bryant and all these big names, of course, will be a priority. But I truly don't think that that's going to be a tipping point for like a three-plus-year window. I think it's going to have a dramatic effect, but unless you fix the core issues with this system, then we're going to be talking about the same thing in three to four years with the next Chris Bryant or the next Wilson Contreras or the next Kyle Schwarber. It will be a revolving door.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to sort through, um, and it's not easy to do. And as I've said for most of the offseason, I hate when we kind of have to shrug our shoulders and, and throw up an I don't know. But with without knowing what the plan is we are left to just sort of read between the lines and again it it paints a grim picture it depends how much you want to lean into this stuff Um, take it at face value or not take it at face value but it it there's you know we've gotten reports of significant overhaul coming to the roster we've gotten reports uh, that you know, they're signaling that they might be looking to trade some guys. And again, we've had years of being told that uh, some sort of massive change was coming to this roster and we've yet to really see it. So it may not happen. but with everything that's gone on, you, you now have a front office shakeup, You have still uh, plenty of uncertainty as it relates to the 2021 season in terms of will there be fans, will there be revenues, things like that. I think I was even reading today as we're talking about this on on Tuesday evening in Chicago uh, that, you know, there's uncertainty as to when the season's even going to start just because they you know, they still have to plan all that. They have to get the logistics ready. And uh, with some of this vaccine talk and and everything, of course, going on in the real world, a lot of uncertainty. So all of that affects what may happen in the coming time here. So I, 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 again, I hate to throw out as many I don't knows, or I can't say because, but I just don't think it's it does either of us or you guys much of a service to lay out how we would approach this offseason when we have literally no idea what parameters we're working within and, and what exactly resources we're, we're working with. So I think it's, it's all just to say um, that it's going to be interesting to watch, and as I said before, a, a lot of what gave me confidence— in years past was knowing that Theo Epstein was the one making the decisions. And while I've disagreed with some of them or, uh, you know, had my own opinions about the way they've gone about certain things, it's very easy to sit back and say, well, Theo Epstein knows what he's doing, and I'm just going to choose to trust him, right? Because you should, because he's earned that, and it's warranted. So, I don't think it's a knock on Jed to suggest that I don't necessarily feel exactly that strong uh, about him as I do Theo. Uh, But, you know, much like anybody else that would have been put in this role or that's been in this role in the past, I want nothing but for him to succeed. Uh, I want Jed to be nothing but successful. I trust that he has a vision, uh, not just for this offseason and, and maybe some tough decisions that it might include, but for the future of this organization. And, you know, I think that a lot of people uh, out there, and I've seen some of it today, try to paint a, a much bleaker picture than I, I think is is the reality. The Cubs have some good names in their system. It, it's, it's not where it was in 2014 or anything like that, but there's talent in, in this minor league system. There is talent on this major league roster, how much of it remains in the coming months we'll see but and this is not a team that you know in the coming years has tons of bloated and awful money that they're stuck with forever right there's stuff to work with here and it's going to be a challenge for jed and it's going to be a challenge for him especially to get to a place that we saw this organization under theo which was feeling like they were at the cutting edge of every part of the game of baseball and that they were, as we talked about earlier, creating new paradigms and creating the archetype for how to build a front office or how to draft position players or, as Brendan pointed out, how to attack the international free agent market, right? It's going to take a lot of work for Jed to get back up there, to get back to where some of these other teams feel like they're at that level now. But I think we're all along for the ride. And, and more than anything, we want Jed to be successful in this. And I am not specifically confident that he's going to have the resources to do that in this offseason. Um, but I, I have some level of confidence that at some point in the future, he will. Um, and that comes with the usual caveat that, you know, the fact that we're talking about this money stuff uh, with a you know, ownership family that's worth billions of dollars makes my blood boil, right? And I, you know, almost don't even feel the need to repeat it every time because we talk about it so much. But it's, it's relevant. It's like, duh. All right. So don't, you know, don't message Brendan or us and say that, you know, we let Ricketts off the hook or anything like that. Like, it's a joke that we have some of these conversations, trust me. But for the millionth time, this is the reality. So at some point, sitting here complaining about it just isn't really worth that much. So that's really where it is. Uh, I think the immediate question that we can pay attention to, as as a group, and that you know we'll obviously talk about going forward here: Do the Cubs hire a GM? Do they promote an interim GM? Do they promote a full time GM? What happens with some of those decisions? Is it possible they look outside the organization? Do they promote someone from within? Is there any more structural change as Jed Hoyer is now in charge? And then, of course, you know, we're still waiting on on some of those big decisions, the the non-tender deadline coming up, and ultimately, uh, you know, whether the Cubs participate in those free agent and trade markets. So there's a lot to pay attention to, and and we will uh, break down all of it. But I think for now, you know, again, like, lasting thoughts on on the immediate impact is that this is something that was going to happen, whether it was now or a year from now, and while i understand the the absolute most cynical view of this uh is that you know this is going to be grim from a payroll perspective and theo just didn't want to do that and thought it better to let jed do it if he's going to be in charge i i think the latter portion of that plays a lot more a significant role in this decision uh than that completely cynical viewpoint really allows for. I, I think that if Jed was going to be the guy now or a year from now, it really, truly does. I honestly believe this. It it benefits everyone involved and especially the Cubs organization as a whole for him to be in charge of creating the path that he's ultimately going to be the one leading the team down. Um, so, you know, how much of that played into things, how much of other stuff played into things— It's hard to know and we may never know, Um, but I I do believe that ultimately this is a good move for the Cubs, all things considered, and considering that this was going to be something that needed to happen uh, eventually. Call me and Brendan optimists if you want. That's a really weird word to use for Brendan and I, Um, so good luck with that. Uh, but I, I, I really do believe that there, there is a, a bit of positive in this, in in that it, it, it does create, I think, the best situation for the the transfer of power, if you will, to Jed Hoyer. Because that was going to happen at some point, uh, no matter what. So uh, before I, I sign off completely, uh, Brendan, any any final thoughts on on the ramifications or just Theo's time as our our fearless leader?
0: There there are going to come there there is going to come a point where people look back and they're they're going to compare this era to the '85 Bears, man. Like you know, people are going to be doing that. And that is just so not fair for a variety of reasons that we talked about on this podcast. But the Cubs won a World Series. They were competitive for over half of Theo's tenure. They changed the game of baseball. And even in Theo's last year with the Cubs, he was already making moves with Jed Hoyer and the rest of the front office to set the Cubs up for success beyond his tenure, and, and ba- look, baseball is a dumb sport. This is the dumbest of all sports, I think, because it is so variable and it is so unpredictable. And you can have one plan that makes complete sense in 2020. Next thing you know, in 2023, baseball is a completely different sport. And that's more or less what we observed from 2014 to 2017. The sport did flip and it did get beyond some of the skill sets and some of the uh, consistent approaches that the front office utilized. And that's okay. That's that's the nature of the sport. It doesn't mean that Theo failed or it doesn't mean that this era was ultimately an underwhelming uh, era. No, not, not not at all. This was the single, and hopefully will continue to be, this was the single greatest era of Cubs baseball. And they are still, with their challenges, set up to be continuously competitive, even as soon as 2021. And that is all because of a move nine years ago when the Cubs finally brought over a a transformative figure in Theo Epstein. I mean, put yourself in your shoes when when, uh, Jim Hendry was the GM. When Sam Zell was part of the Tribune selling the team, the uncertainty then, right? And then you had to run down Wrigley. It was just, it was, it was, it was bleak, man. Those late 2000s, the early 2010s, man, that was, that was bleak. And now look at it now, going into a new front office, look at how healthy this team is. And so that, that is what I'm going to be remembering. I will remember how Theo and the Cubs, they, they, they they're the ones who flipped the script for baseball and major league baseball in the in the mid 2010s early 2010s it was no one else and even though they only had and i say even only they had one world series they did not get more it's okay that's how baseball operates it will not take away any of the accomplishments or directions or experiences that we got to observe over the last 10 years Corey
1: no doubt It has been a privilege, honestly, to be a fan of a team that Theo Epstein crossed paths with in in his ultimate journey. The the man is a surefire uh, baseball Hall of Famer. He'll be widely regarded as one of the best sports executives, not just baseball executives, sports executives uh, ever to do the job, ever to do any job like this. And his ultimate story uh, of his career will be uh, a legendary one. And I think that we should all feel very fortunate uh, that, you know, amongst teams like the Red Sox and uh, other jobs and and points in life that Theo has taken, we should all feel very fortunate that the Cubs are one of the chapters uh, in that ultimately legendary book. Uh, it's, it's been, a, a pleasure to experience this area, era of Cubs baseball, um, whether from afar or at Wrigley Field or in the backfields in, uh, Arizona, it's been the run of a lifetime. And like you said, uh, you know, Jed is, is sort of a transitionary figure of that. And, and I hope it keeps going uh but no matter what um I will look back on this period from you know late 2011 to today I guess uh with complete fondness um and you know there there's there were some lows in there there's some moments uh you know in the playoffs that that still sting if I think about them and and watch them um but ultimately this this era for me will always be marked and remembered by the success and the incredible lifetime and life-changing moments and memories uh that Theo Epstein was was largely responsible for providing for us. Um I mentioned at the beginning how what really still, you know, ultimately stands out and I think will stand out was how transparent Theo always was, uh how classy of an individual he was and and how he represented the Chicago Cubs, um, and and the organization that he wanted the Cubs to be, and how he asked you to trust him when he first came in, and, and, and especially for Cubs fans hoping to end uh, 100 plus years of not winning the World Series, that's not an easy task to buy in to something like that, especially a plan that was going to start by losing even more, right? Um, but like I said, if if you trusted Theo Epstein, if you put your faith in him, if you believed in him, he made it all worth it. Um, for a lot of little memories, uh, but obviously more than anything on a uh, rainy night in Cleveland in November of 2016, Um, He delivered what we all waited for, and he delivered what he promised, which was uh, a World Series title to the Chicago Cubs and to the city of Chicago, and I will be forever grateful for that. I I will um, think always fondly of the shots of Theo in in his box with Eddie Vedder, his wife and kids, the shots of, of Theo backstage at a Pearl Jam concert. Um, or walking around in his Pearl Jam hat at, at Wrigley Field. I'll think of him in the stands in San Francisco, and uh, in, in one of the most used gifts that I have on, on Twitter or any other social media app where he pumps his fist and says, Yeah, Schwarbs, at a boy. Um, and I will think of him in that bear suit celebrating with champagne at Wrigley Field. Uh, in the days after they won the World Series, I'll think of him cutting Jed off on TV during an interview, and, and telling the world that uh, it was Jed's job now because he was going to go on a bender. Uh, and you know, to see you later, I'll, I'll think of the fans outside of Wrigley Field and, and during the parade uh, through Chicago chanting Theo at the top of their lungs while he held the World Series trophy. I'll think of it all. Uh, And again, more than anything, um, I will forever, forever, forever be grateful to Theo Epstein uh, for this era of Cubs baseball, for transforming the Chicago Cubs organization, and for delivering what we all waited a lifetime for, which was exactly as he promised, a World Series championship for the Chicago Cubs. So for the last time— In the Theo Epstein era, we will sign off there. Uh, Obviously, this offseason has ratcheted up a little bit here, so uh, Brendan and I will hop on as many times as necessary as as things uh, continue to happen and continue to change with this organization. Um, But for now, that is all we have. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Theo, I don't know what is next for him Uh, but we certainly wish him nothing but the best in whatever his next endeavor is, though I don't think he needs uh, our well wishes because the man succeeds at just about anything he tries, and pretty much anything he touches turns to gold. Uh, In our case, it was World Series gold, and we will forever be grateful for that. Thank you, Theo, and good luck. Farewell. And whether we are reminiscing uh, and doing our best not to get emotional talking about a baseball executive, or we are talking about the offseason or getting ready for real baseball at some point in the uh, distant future, we always end by saying, Go, Cubs.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.